welcome to BoobTube, the podcast where smart women talk about what they're watching and not watching. I'm Amanda Teuscher. And I'm Sarah Whitus. How are you feeling, Sarah? Um, well, I'm recovering. I wound up being really contracting the plague last week and being too sick to go to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend Live. <sighs> you, are a, you are a terrible, <laughs> like... Correspondent. This is the last time the the Boston Bureau of BoobTube sends you on a field assignment. Hey, the DC the DC Bureau didn't even go. All right, didn't even get tickets. All right, I... the DC Bureau knows her capabilities. Yeah, I was really sad. I couldn't go to Crazy Ex Girlfriend Live. I was too sick. Um, my our our mutual friend Heather took. Um, my tickets are tickets, which I had gotten and were for some reason, like, it was as if I had, like, was trying to access the Pentagon with these tickets. It was, like, a literally, like, a six-step process of, like, <laughs> making sure that she could pick them up. But I was really sad. I did get, she did get me a shirt that's the Sexy Getting Ready shirt. Yay! The Sexy Getting Ready song. Um, I'm still a little bit, still a little bit dealing with some leftover mucus this week, so everyone can just kind of enjoy that. So we're all, yeah, it. we're all looking forward to hearing that. Just splattering all over the mic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what did you watch this week? So I did finally finish Jessica Jones, which you, you watched the first season of, right? I did. I have not seen any of this season, though. Okay. It's interesting. You know, it's gotten, from what I can tell, it's been getting a lot of, or I shouldn't even say has been getting, because it's been out for a while and, like, all the reviews are done. But it's been getting some kind of mixed reviews, and I mm-hmm. quite liked it. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, I was, I'm trying to figure out if there is something to just how we consume Netflix shows. Um, you know, a big criticism that I've seen about it is that it, the the t- entire show, which is 13 episodes, doesn't seem very cohesive. Like, there's no hmm. big bad villain like there was in the first uh, season oh, really? when it was Kilgrave. Yeah, yeah, no, there is no just villain. And I remember thinking in the first few episodes that, okay, this is setting up for this person or to be, you know, the bad guy, right? And then it didn't it didn't really happen and then things kind of like dropped off. Things weren't really there you know, at one point Trish has this boyfriend named um Griffin something. I don't remember his name and he's kind of a tool and you're supposed to think that he's up to something but then he just is not there in the last four episodes or something. Anyway, there are things that just don't really finish. And I Especially because I feel like, well, it's interesting because I feel like the, the big bad is always kind of like an essential part of the like superhero genre, right? right? I don't think I've ever seen a, I mean, not that I'm some kind of Marvel or DC <laughs> expert here because I am not, but um, I've never seen one of these installments where there was, like the whole point of the Enterprise wasn't to just be like fighting one monster or like one bad Right, right. And so that is kind of interesting. And at sometimes it doesn't actually feel too much like a superhero story. It feels like a story about someone who lives in a superhero universe and has these abilities. Is, is the real big bad the friends we met along the way? I don't like, <laughs> so, is it that well, kind of like, it's all inside I mean, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's... That's correct. I, I mean, the something that the show, the, the enemies, yeah. yeah. Well, something about the show that's really good is that it, uh, an ongoing theme is that Jessica Jones has PTSD that she's dealing with from mm-hmm. various things, from being raped by Kilgrave, from the her 
entire family being killed in a car accident that then later maybe gave her her powers. So, you know, there's all of that sort of exploration of her internal struggle, struggle. And I think that's kind of what the the season is in the end, is that it was a season of self-discovery. And I, I this is a spoiler, but it's hard to talk about this season unless you mention this. She meets her mother. Her mother is not dead. Mm. And... Okay, was that a part of the first season? No, you are led to no. believe that her entire family was killed. Was and, killed. Okay, that's right, that's right. Yeah, and she was then raised by Trish Walker and her mother. Well, raised right. by Trish Walker's mother. She wasn't yes. raised by her friend. But yeah. <laughs> it's all coming back to me. Okay, yeah, I so yeah. it's, you know, that's kind of interesting, and it definitely... You know, I read something, it, it's, no one's ever seen a superhero TV show or movie about mother-daughter. And that's a huge relationship in this. Because I loved it, but your father, he needed to be in charge like his dick would fall off if he let me drive. I so don't need to hear about my dead father's dick. That and Jessica's relationship with Trish, her friend slash sister, mm-hmm. um, who's kind of a bummer in this season, to be honest. Um, I was just getting annoyed Who with played her. I'm, I was trying to her remember. name is Rachel Taylor, and I was kind of just getting annoyed with her. And I think it wasn't the actress's fault, and not even necessarily the writing. It was just something didn't add up for me, and I was just annoyed by her character's decisions. And then I started. Then that sort of transferred into, uh, you know, like you, if you hear someone chewing, it's annoying, and if you hear mm-hmm. someone who you don't like chewing, it's really annoying. and I just noticed her accent and I was like she's not American she is not American I bet I think she's Australian and I looked her up and sure enough I was right so I'm really good at I'm really good at that um and she yeah so then I just all every time she was talking I was thinking about how you're a shitty person and also I can tell your accent (laughs) but (laughs) but it does it is a great show that you know, passes the Bechdel test with flying colors and not in any way. Mm-hmm. Of, I don't know. It doesn't hit you over the... Every episode was directed and written by women. Um, it's very female-centered. Oh, I didn't... Okay. I think I think I said I didn't know that last week, but I, but you forgot. I did not. That's, yeah, <laughs> but I forgot it and it's interesting all over yeah. again. Yeah. So anyway, I, I thought that was really cool and it was fun to watch that. But, you know, something I was bringing up earlier, and then we can kind of move on, but um, I think... The way you interpret a show and a season is very different depending on how it is released. So a lot of people have been criticizing the season for the things I mentioned that were, they're fair criticisms, uh, but they were kind of doing a critique of the season as a whole as if the way you would, you would do a critique of a movie. Mm-hmm. And we don't really watch episodic television that way, or we didn't in the past when it's a new episode every week before there was this binging you know that that we all do but i do think that if you're if you're making a television show for netflix specifically it's definitely something that as a as a writer and like as a you know creator of a show you have to keep in mind i think is that like like it or not like i i agree that you are creating a you are not creating a movie that is not what this is this is a narrative in installments like that's what television is you know but like at the same time, you know, if you're if you're creating something, especially specifically for Netflix, like you have to keep in mind, this is the way people are going to consume this. I it's think like you're right, but it's you know, like gulps of it at a time, right? Um, but just knowing that this is how people will consume it and how they will interpret it, um, mm-hmm. or at least critique it, 
doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. I, so I watched the show very gradually. It took me, I guess, three or four weeks to finish. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that made it much more enjoyable for me than the people that might have binged it in one weekend. Where those things yeah. that that happen all the time in TV shows that you watch, like, I don't know why I said TV shows, TV shows that you watch <laughs> um, <laughs> gradually, you don't really think about things that were kind of left off, you know, in a, a TV show that you watch once a week. There are all these story arcs that overlap each other, that lead to something else. Some are shorter, some are longer. And it's not this tightly woven, complete package from start to finish. Mm -hmm. And they had that in the show. You know, Carrie Ann Moss's character had this, you know, one weird arc that wasn't a parallel to anything else that was happening in the show. And I think that might have felt a little, like, incongruent to people. But when you're watching hmm. it, you know, taking days between each episode, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that's right. This is what she was dealing with. Oh, interesting that that's how you're resolving it. It is really a completely different. It, it, it is like a completely different way of like consuming. It really is. The, you know, the media and like, I, I feel like, I mean, I don't know, probably other people have had this conversation, you know, prior to us, but like, it is like, you know, I mean, it means a very different thing to create a TV show these days. Yeah. And like, it's, it's just not, you know, you, you are, you know, you are creating something, it's like still in these installments, but like, that's just not how it's viewed and you're going to like be contending with people who like are going to be watching three and you are going to like remember i mean like i think it's just it's like things like you were saying with like pieces of plot lines dropping off and stuff like that and i have that experience with shows too where it's like maybe before you could kind of get away with like oh we didn't really like follow up with character x or whatever and it's like well whatever then we'll kind of just like push them off into that but when you're watching three in a row it's like you know character x can go from like having a big part of one episode to then like kind of just be like oh then we n- never you know right. it's just like back to back and it, it's no just, and the that's flaws true and, you know, they created this show obvious. for netflix and not for you know fx or cbs or Releasing, something yeah right movies or whatever yeah, yeah. so anyway um, so that's that's cool. that i do recommend jessica jones um and i think you would mm-hmm. like it too doesn't have as much of the noir feel of the first season but then you know mm-hmm. you don't want it to just be you know pastiche so yeah. Anyway, um, Amanda gives it eight out of ten pairs of ripped jeans and leather jackets. <laughs> I think I'm gonna be yeah. Jessica Jones for Halloween just because it seems so oh, easy. Oh God, good idea! You, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't think of that. Before. I know. Well, I was just That's watching. Brilliant. I was like, I, yeah, I'll do this. <laughs> Such a good idea! Right? Oh my God. Uh-huh. Um, so wait, what did so, what did you watch that I didn't watch? Um, I watched. Trust. That's right. Which I you did said not last watch week it. Would be your would be your not watching. <laughs> I knew what of you were going to say. <laughs> and I I thought it was fine. So trust is like, um, if you're not familiar with it, I mean, I'm kind of honestly half the reason I wanted to watch it is like I'm very I just find myself like being very into FX's programming these days, mm-hmm. and like if it's on FX, I'm like half inclined to just watch it um, because a lot of my favorite you know, serialized dramas are all on FX and like, I just, I just really, um, tend to like their choices of, you know, what they decide to put on the air. But, um, so trust is about the, uh, 
Getty kidnapping, the Paul Getty kidnapping of uh, the 1970s. So I didn't see all the money in the world. I know you did, and you said you did not like well, it. Well, I didn't right? dis... Uh, um, the two friends I went to see it with it, like, or see it with, did not like it. Like, at one point, my friend Tess leaned over and just said, this is stupid. <laughs> and I did not think that. Um, but it was too long and a little bit uh-huh. too self-serious. Um, what I'm interested in yeah. your opinion on is because something that, you know, Michelle uh, Williams, who plays the mother. Uh, mm-hmm. Who plays, uh, yeah, Paul's, Paul Getty's mom, yeah, who and is she's the no most, longer a member of the Getty family because she's divorced from his so father. So she's the most yeah. relatable person. So the movie is kind of centered mm-hmm. on her because she is not related by blood. She doesn't have much money on her own. And... Uh, she needs the grandfather, J.P. Getty, to pay the ransom, which he refuses to do. He's a real, real son of a bitch. Yeah, and Um, and so, you know, there's only so much exploration you can have of greed before it's, like, something you've seen before and not that interesting. mm -hmm. And so where did they, the show, did they just center a lot of it on? Yeah, so it's not, so, uh, you know, trust is not about... um, uh, her, her, I think her character's name is Gail. Yeah. Um, and so she's played by Hilary Swank in oh. Trust, who um, I actually think she's very good. She's not even, she's definitely, I mean, I wish she was in it more, actually. So there's been th- three episodes, and I've seen all three of them. Um, and it's not centered around her really at all, but she starts to become... The first two episodes um, are prior, really, to... Uh, well, I guess just the first episode. The first episode is setting up um, the kidnap... Is setting up just the Getty well, How many episodes just are the there? The dynamics. I think that there are eight or ten. Good um, God. Well, if that's not enough for you, um, apparently... So the show's conceived by... Uh, Danny Boyle and I think Simon Beaufoy, who um, collaborated with him on uh, 127 Hours, but uh, and I think Slumdog Millionaire, mm-hmm. um, and they, apparently they've already like laid out a plan for like three seasons of this show Jesus. that will follow the Getty family like over the course of like the 20th century, which sounds as I'm like. This is unnecessary. <laughs> Did Getty um, pay for this? How much? <laughs> I know. Says. Like, how much can we possibly consume of this? But I think that the material. I think that I think that my not having seen all the money in the world is probably benefiting my view. My viewing of trust. I'm sure. But, um, like Hillary Swank is very good. I hope that now that like the kidnapping itself by the third episode is like in full swing. They kind of spend the first three episodes setting up just the family dynamics, and then they get into the kidnapping. Yeah, by the third episode, but um, she's really good. Um, I hope that we see. I, I assume that we'll see more of her as we like move into like the obviously it's going to be like the negotiations over getting him back and all that kind of stuff. And um, Donald Sutherland is J.P. Getty. Uh, who is, like, having a lot of fun with it, clearly. There's at least 30% too many uh, sex scenes. Um, I don't know if that was a part of All the Money in the World. No, wait, with 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 Donald Sutherland? Donald Mother Effin Sutherland. No! (laughs) 
I was yes. well no so to answer your yes. question no Christopher Plummer did not have any sex scenes in- yeah because they really play up his you know he like he had like a harem of women um Ugh. he had like I mean they really focus a, lo- a lot on the like you know he has like five girlfriends um in the show and they all live at Sutton Place his estate in London um or England and Brendan Fraser is also in this, and he's great. He's fantastic. Apparently, the entire concept. So he's played by the character that I believe. I know. So there was a great article a few months ago in like Vanity Fair or something that was like, "Where has Brendan Fraser been?" Um, And the answer is basically like he had a tough run, you know, after like the '90s ended. And um, yeah, oh man, yeah, hell of a drug. The 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. and so (laughs) and so he like you know couldn't get roles for a while it just like people like turned on like the concept of brendan fraser um but he's really good in this he plays the character that i think mark Wahlberg plays in um all the the money in the world and he the fixer um fletcher chase and look at me i'm such an expert on this scott movie i'm like yeah yeah that was mark (laughs) Wahlberg. (laughs) from like four months ago i'm impressed um he plays the he plays this character just it's this like cowboy. You see this movie? No. Paul did. I did. Slow. But it did have a fake kidnapping scene in it. Just like the one that Paul was writing in his movie. Chase? No. That's the same bullshit that everyone's talking about. Yeah. I know it's probably nothing. No. But then there's and there's this. That's a fresh round. What's that have to do with Paul? Probably nothing. But I did dig it out of the ceiling in their apartment. And there's the twins. This is taken yesterday. Look at that. Go on, look at it. There's a lack of concern there, don't you think? Under the circumstances. I talked to our friends at the police station. Ransom notes go to the newspaper or TV station, or they go to the police direct. They're never, ever just left on a bed. It's not done. It still doesn't prove anything. You're absolutely right. Probably nothing. This just completely out of place, like, bigger than life, like, extremely charming. It, it, it is, does, it's a little bit does bizarre. Does Brandon Fraser do any other kind of role, though? No, it's a good point. Like I think if they had been sed- like, "Look, we want this to be subtle and serious." I yeah, mean, his most sedate role is definitely like the mummy, right? So apparently, this was all like a lot of this was Brendan Fraser's idea. Um, and so yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's like very slickly directed. Each of the first three episodes kind of has like a completely different like style and and focus. So like the first one focuses on J.P. Getty, the second one on. Fletcher Chase, and then and then on Paul Getty and the kidnapping, and I, I don't know if we'll like. I think that those are the only three that he actually directed, so I don't really know. Like maybe the whole thing will just fall off going forward, but I mean, it's it's entertaining. It's like you know, I think it it I I want to see what happens. I don't know that I like. I'm like, yeah, you got to watch this show. You definitely don't. Um, He's gonna lose an ear. He is. I know that. I I totally, of course. I don't know why I had this strong desire to just be a jerk and spoil that for you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I already. I feel like I can't watch a show or like a movie. Like I did this with like, um, you know, Wild Wild Country and stuff. I can't watch something that's based on a true story without. The first thing I do is just like 
read the entire Wikipedia entry about and all of its uh, I related mean, I guess that's fair. Wikipedia that's entries. Fair. So, and I mean, not only does he get his ear cut off, but I know that, I don't know if all the money in the world, I don't know where, where all the money in the world ended, but like, and I don't know where this ends, but I assume it's, um, I, I assume that because the plan for this show is to like span a few decades, they don't get into this, but like, I know that Paul Getty, you know, he had a really sad life after this happened. Yeah, like, no, it's, he it's pretty sad. He was destitute like, and drug-addled and has a stroke yeah. and... I mean, yeah. J.P. Getty was just a real fucking asshole. You might like, just just kill the uh, rich. Oh, God. That's but, the moral of this story. Also, can I just say real quick, the music cues on this show were like... I mean, the I actually find the, the, the score to be really... I really like it actually, but the 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 soundtrack is like I swear to God, it's like it's like Forrest Gump. It's you know like the just, the, just, just everything too- is too on the nose. It's you know the show opens with like a lavish, huge party at the um, Getty Estate in Los Angeles, and like all the you know everyone's just like in the pool, and everyone's like you know, and it's like to of course it's like to Pink Floyd's Money. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, yeah, all, all the music cues are like this. You're just like, okay, this is literally just the greatest hits of like 1973. I you know, it that. just, I can't, it's really annoying. Um, anyway, so that's trust. Watch it if you need something to watch, but I'm not like, this is, I'm not raving about this or anything, but I probably will finish it. So, um, okay, so we watched a couple of things, uh, we watched as a, a family, together. as a family, as a family over the internet, um, which is how all families are. So let's talk about trading spaces first, because it's so fun. Woo-hoo-hoo, trading spaces. So I oh um, informed Amanda that, um, because I feel like a lot of people don't know this because I didn't know it until recently, but trading spaces is back. That's is so back. crazy. Um, if you didn't watch Trading Spaces, um... What they, is wrong with you? Were I know, you honestly, most of them are on YouTube. A human in America in <laughs> All the greatest hits of Trading Spaces are on YouTube. Yeah, I used to just, I mean, especially in the summer, I would just, like, sit at home, like, the indoor kid that I was, and I would watch Trading Spaces <laughs> for, like, hours of reruns on TLC. I just loved it so much um my family you aren't was familiar also... with it oh sorry wait, 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 keep going i was just gonna say my family was also really into it and uh they to the point where my aunt liked Paige davis's who's the host liked her name so much that that is my cousin's middle name Get who out. was born in 2003 <laughs> and it's funny because we so the premise of this show is that these two neighbors two couples um, redecorate a room in the other person's house over the course of 48 hours. They're given $1,000, and they work with a designer and a carpenter. And Although they now, have they now they have $2,000. Now they have $2,000 because of Obama. And, because of Obama. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and my aunt and uncle lived across the street from me. And I remember, like... There was talk about like us doing it with my yes. aunt and uncle, and then me and my mom. And my mom was yes. always like, "No way!" Oh my god, I had. <laughs> she was like, "Hildy is not coming into my house." Uh, I had the same thing because my mom talked for literally a decade about wanting to redo my parents' kitchen. Like it was finally done. Like literally, only like four. That years is a ago. room you do not want trading spaces to do, though. I know, actually, and I because you want you'll appliances. Notice- Seriously, and I, I actually don't really think that they ever, I, yeah, you, 
basically never see kitchens um, that are done on that show. But um, yeah, we had the same thing where I would like beg my mom, like, uh, or I would like just all the time because we were pretty close to our next door neighbors. I'm like, oh, we could do it with Tom and Donna, you know, and like, <laughs> um, I just wanted to do it so badly. So Trading Spaces is back for another season. I mean, it is like the same, all the same people. Everything was exactly the same. I loved it. It was so good. It was so good. I mean, in the first episode, you just have, like, just knocking it off right off the bat. Hildy, the craziest She's interior so designer in uh, in the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> um, did you get a vibe that she was flirting really hard with Ty Pennington, the carpenter? Yes, I did. Like, to the point where I was like, Hildy, you're making an ass of yourself. And then she fell off the bike, and I was like, really <laughs> making an ass of yourself. Oh my god, well, they were making the bike art. That was And so I was like, good. why don't you just get off the damn bike and wheel it across the canvas? I know. <laughs> oh, so it was fucking like, idiots. So good. Hildy and Doug, like, Doug was also, Doug was, like, also kind of crazy and, like, didn't get enough uh, credit for his crazy, I think. Well, his, I felt like his designs weren't that crazy. He's just smarmy. I always hated He's him. He's so smarmy. Also, like, they did a bunch of flashbacks with him. Like, oh my god, Doug was hot. And I know, but he seemed old to us when we were, like, Totally. 15. I'm like, he's ancient, but he's, like, literally, he was, he was talking about how the fact that he was, like, remember when we were 33 and doing this back in, like, oh so, god. I'm like, oh god, that's my age. Um, yeah, so Hildy does a deconstructed penguin approach <laughs> Bananas. for one room and then puts in, I did think that her Murphy bed was a little bit of a stroke of genius, but I was also like, you could just make this a futon. But, but also Ty built it. <laughs> Ty built it. He fucking did it. And then Doug covered some walls with green burlap to make a um, Hawaiian resort. I thought it resort. looked quite nice. I actually liked it a lot. I like Doug's room. Yeah. I was yeah. like, this turned out much better than I thought it would. Um, and it's so fun. So the one the woman was like, really scared about it. <laughs> yes. There was like a classic, um, like, no, we can't do this. They're going to hate it. And it was, I love the concept of the sisters, um, how they just kind of would know each other's taste so innately, but we're actually totally wrong about Totally wrong. <laughs> about um, My favorite was what Paige responded to the one woman with when she was like, she's like, you're going to have to be brave. With the burlap. No, that I can't put that on a wall. I, I, you need to be a little braver. This is not a crazy idea. <laughs> Paige, oh I mean, I always kind of hated Paige, but also loved her. She's adorable. I think she's great. She was she's very so likeable. perky. She's so yeah. likable, um, and uh, yeah, I just like this was great. I I hope that I have the ability to watch the rest of them. I know, um, me too. Xfinity. This one was on just like on um, TLC on TLC's website, um, but uh, the rest. I was trying to watch this on my um, illegal Xfinity stream, and <laughs> Xfinity is not playing around because they're making you watch a bunch <laughs> of things connected to your home Wi-Fi. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, I was like, all right, this may or may not work. Um, but I'm hoping I can watch the rest because it's so good. And also, like, seriously, if you have not seen Trading Spaces, um, it's just, like, iconic. The, the, some, of the ho- some of the makeovers are, like, the ones where people just are so sad and lose it. There's the, also the iconic um, fireplace redo um, where um, the Oh, my God, where the woman was, like, cried. Where she so cries great. and has to leave the room. So um, great. Also, so I just remember in the actually... deconstructed penguin room. Wait, I just remember the eggs, the sculpture made out of. Oh the my eggs god! Yes. <laughs> so 
also, did she sanitize those eggs? I don't think so. <laughs> I do not so think so. I had never, this is so funny, I would have been so floored by that, but except for this, just a couple weeks ago on Easter, my roommate got this crazy idea to make chocolate-filled eggs, and he had seen it on Martha Stewart or something, and he did that where he was blowing out the yolks, right? And then but, he poured chocolate into it? Yeah. Um, oh, and then you would crack open the eggs and it would just be a chocolate egg. But he sanitized, he boiled the eggs, he sanitized the shells before he did that. I'm like, right. did you just paint a bunch of yolky eggshells and then hang it from a lamp? <laughs> yep. I think that's exactly, I'm sure that they were like, immediately after the show, they're like, we need to remove this for, <laughs> this could be toxic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we can't let um, you live this in your home. But yeah, anyway, I there's a great article in... Jezebel from a little while ago about kind of like a history of trading spaces and what sort of space it occupied right before the rise of HGTV and maybe I'll put it on our Twitter. It is very it's a great piece um it also reminded me of I used to just like come home from school and watch TLC for three hours and I used to watch like a baby story and now I'm like oh my god (laughs) all of these like a wedding story you're a a monster I know (laughs) I know, I know. And then, anyway, it was just, like, one of those classic, like, rises and then falls, but now it's back, so. Um, Okay, the other thing... Yeah, we should move on, because... Yeah, we can just go through, like, decades of trading spaces history. Yeah, yeah, we didn't even get into Frank, but anyway. (laughs) um, (laughs) I know. Okay, I'm sorry, keep going. (laughs) Okay, so the other show that we watched was... Killing Eve, which I loved. It was so good. I saw this and I was like, I was literally halfway through it and I texted you and I, or she chatted you and I was like, Amanda would love this. You have to watch it. <laughs> and then I read about it and I was like, I do, I do want to see this. And I, yeah. so I watched it last night. So it's still really fresh in my mind. The first episode is, a, it's a BBC show and it's available online. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to watch the rest of them, but I will find a way. Life finds a way. Um, yeah. So it's. So the premise is that um, Sandra O, oh, um, who is just so great, and we will talk a little bit about her, She's but so she great. is the titular Eve, and she is an MI5 agent, or MI6, I always get them confused. She starts out in MI5. Okay. Yeah. Which she's, is, yeah. She's like an analyst or something, you know, she's not a field agent, um, but she uh, hears about this assassination that took place in Vienna, and is realizes right away that it must have been a woman for various reasons. She's very smart and ends up, you know, putting these things together. And it's kind of setting up. You also see this assassin, this young woman named Villanelle, do her work. And it's kind of setting up for this uh, dual screen sort of mutual obsession that these two women are going to have. One, the person tracking the assassin, the other, the assassin trying to evade the agent. His girlfriend is the only witness, but she fled the scene. Interpol traced her here to the UK. She was picked up in Hammersmith this morning and needs protection. 20 quid, it was a woman. Sorry? Sorry, nothing. We'll be sure to sort it. Is there any CCTV of the killer? No, no, as far as we know, it was just a blind spot. Thank you for your time. I imagine the girl is um, quite traumatized. She's the only witness. Surround her with humans, will you? I said it was probably a woman. 
Victor Kedron was a misogynist and a sex trafficker. He may not have considered a passing woman a threat. She must have been able to get close. Thank you. Thank you, Eve. She said Eve. Congratulations. It's going to be like kind of cat and mouse, but it's definitely setting it up for it to be much more, uh, I don't know, have they, they'll actually have a relationship. It won't be just I a chase. So. I yeah. hope so. Yeah. I mean, not like a relationship like they'll know each other that much, but they kind of will. Like, they're going to be... Play, a little I, bit I don't mirroring know. I'm, I'm doing each, a it lot seems of like they're going to be like a little bit mirroring each other, maybe, or like, yeah, yeah, kind of experiencing sort of similar. I mean, they're already like, right? They're just like very focused, um, you know. And I like this idea that like you know Villanelle will give some some more, you know, kind of a shot in the ass to to Eve's life. Yeah, um, and and it's interesting because they're both kind of so they're kind of both psychopaths. Um, right? Because... I don't know that Eve... Is Eve? Is Eve? I don't know. Like, not an... I don't... So I don't mean that in Definitely a, Villanelle. Definitely She's Villanelle. And that's definitely yeah. the fir- very first scene you see. She... It's basically done to say, hey, this lady, she's really pretty and looks nice, but she's a psychopath. And... She's an assassin and she loves it. She yeah. loves it. Yeah. And yeah. she, like, does... And she kills... She kills her targets in ways that are designed to just be a little bit more fucked up. Which I, I was worried about. I was worried that there were going to be a lot of really disturbing scenes where, mm-hmm. like, there's this one scene where I was convinced going in that she was going to somehow indirectly make this little boy kill his grandfather. And I was, I couldn't handle watching that. So. Yeah, it was, like, too twisted. Yeah. yeah. But then he, yeah, so it's... But it was fine. It was okay. And I think that they... They, they managed to put the point on the murders where it's like, she's clearly getting perhaps even overconfident, you know? And like, yeah. these, you know, if you're an assassin, like the point is just to kill someone and like get, you know, like, but she's like making it very theatrical and like, you know, is this gonna, this is gonna um, come back to get her. But so it's like, she enjoys it and she likes making it showy, but it's not like totally sadistic. Um, right, right. And... Yeah, I I think that um, I, if there were like eight episodes, I think there's eight in the first season. If they were, had all been available at once, I would have absolutely watched them in like a day. One hundred percent. I was yeah. so upset was... when the episode was over. <laughs> I know. Um, so and so you were referencing this Vulture interview with Sandra O oh that came out um, the other day, and it is really good. I think we're both kind of like where I was also like where has Sandra O oh been cuz I was a big Grey's fan for the first couple of years. I think I fell off of Grey's before Sandra O oh really? left. Oh yeah, probably for the first like 5 years of Grey's. Who are you? Although we're on like literally like season like 8 14. I would or have never so, guessed that. Yes, I remember when it premiered my freshman year of college and like I I was watching it with a group of people and yeah, I was into it. I think I owned DVDs at some point. Anyway, wow, um, I know. So I was always very into Sandra Oh, and then the only things I, you know, she's only been in, she was like in, you know, Eat, Pray, Love, I think, and like a couple other movies, but. You know, she kind of has that, like always, you know, the sidekick. Yeah, she's always like thing. the friend, and yeah, she, um, you know, I think, right, I, there was there was one part of the, um, the, the, this, the interview with her where she sent the script. Oh my God, and, I loved this anecdote. Oh my God, she sent the script and she's reading it 
And she calls her agent and she's like, I don't, this is a great script, but like, I don't, what's, what are what's we talking part? about? What part? What part am me? I? And the agent is like, it's, you're Eve. Like, you're the main character. And she's like, so, she's like, I've so internalized this. I'm, I get cast as the friend. Um, right. That she literally did not even realize that she was being offered the the lead role of this show um and which is insane because she's also quite perfect for it she's i mean she's so good oh, she's so such funny. a charismatic presence she's she, her her comedic timing is really good and her facial expressions are just incredible you know exactly what's going through her head and she just it seems just she she's just so insanely likable it's actually crazy that she's never been in this sort of lead role and it's crazy that she could know this about herself, too, which, I, you know, I'm sure she does, you know, but but also have internalized that this isn't a possibility that other people would recognize. Anyway, yeah. That, and I mean, just, yeah. you know, the racism that she has faced as an Asian woman in Hollywood, yeah. um, that, you know, Asian woman, in, you know, that that, um, you know, she's just not offered the the meaty roles. And I think the Grays was, a, to be fair, Grays was a really meaty role and was given a lot of depth but it's right. still it's still the, the it wasn't her show it's not her show um and and i think that we should note also you know that this i, I remember like it is really funny and it's created by phoebe wallace yes. Brid- yeah oh Bridges, good yes you should yeah. um who who is one of our other um favorite shows Fleabag uh also wonderful if you have not checked that out Fleabag on Netflix. Fleabag is great also uh, she was in that show Crashing which I didn't like quite as much as Fleabag and there were some things about it that were kind of just boring and annoying but it, she's really funny in that and very real she's just so sharp um yeah and the the just the writing on this show is great you can just feel um Phoebe kind of all over it if you not that I'm like intensely familiar with her career but I I just it has the same sort of just biting um touch that that there was to Fleabag um and yeah I so one thing that we were both a little bit curious about was obviously Sandra Oh um Sandra I think is Canadian um she's Canadian yeah and you know (laughs) So yeah, I don't. It's it's it is an interesting decision to cast um, a non-British person working at MI five, which is not really acknowledged in the first episode. They don't. I you know, I think you're right that it would be a little, you know, too expositiony if they were to explain how did she end up in London and working right. for this or whatever. <laughs> and she and her husband is Polish, you know. So like, what what's going on here? Um, but apparently the 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 show creators and Phoebe Waller-Bridge actually wanted her to be North American. And because she had said, she says in this interview that she asked if she had to learn an accent. She's like, I got to start learning an accent right away. And they said, no, don't. Yeah. Don't. And wanted to bring like a little bit of, I think they said like kind of a grounding, you know, that's what she said. Yeah. I wonder if that, or yeah, I guess that was Sandro's interpretation of it. Yeah. So because there are other parts of it that seem, I watch a lot of, you know, European shows and mm -hmm. parts of it that seem very European sort of like, it's hard to explain, but it's just not just very worldly. And I mean, there's lots of, you know, the, the scenes of, um, Villanelle, uh, going on her murderous adventures are, are kind of all over different European cities. And you get this like very, yeah, it's just got a very well, European. And also, feel sometimes to in it. European shows, they sometimes will have 
the, the way they, they don't do a lot of exposition and they, they will have scenes happen and you're supposed to just kind of go with it. Yeah, um, you're just in it, figure it out. Yeah, yeah, and things aren't packaged quite in the same way, and so mm-hmm. this has that. And um, so I kind of could, could see what she means by saying that, you know, North American presence is grounding because it makes it things, you know, seem less artsy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm just curious if she's can, if in the show she's Canadian or American. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe they'll get into that eventually. Yeah. Or, like, maybe it doesn't matter. I was just, I found myself wondering while I was watching it, like, how many non I mean, if we watched a show about, <laughs> if we watched a show about CIA agent and, you know, there's a CIA agent with a British voice, a bunch of Americans would be like, um, excuse me, what? Yeah, I might think that was a little weird just because I would think there would be, like, a certain level of, like, I don't know, background. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, it's not that important, but it, it did, like, kind of strike me also. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, I cannot wait to see more of that. I know, I'm really excited. So that's going to be one of those shows like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I think, where you and I are watching it as it's yes. happening. Yes, so we can check back when in crazy things happen, I think we will, you know, yeah. give it a little talk. But for the um, most part, everyone should start watching the show. Yes, please watch it immediately. It's fantastic. BBC America. Um, I, this week, um... I did not finish Berlin, Babylon Berlin last week mostly because I could not, I couldn't in my like sick stupor, I could not give it, I'm just like, I can't watch a show in German. This is, what you're is literally you too much. What you're saying you couldn't read is <laughs> could what you were read. saying. You could not read. <laughs> I needed to be watching something that I could be asleep for 25 minutes of each episode and still um That is actually 100% know what going accurate. On. <laughs> yep. And still know what's going on. And so you know what's good for that? ER. <laughs> <laughs> oh so my I watched gosh. another season and You a half tweeted of ER. something about ER and I was like, God damn it, she's watching more <laughs> ER. I tweeted like a four part tweet, like analyzing like yeah, it was, jump the shark you got, moments you got real and seasons. Like, it I wasn't got, so much a certain episode. It was the entire was season. I'm like, look at this ER scholar over line. here. Oh yeah, I'm an ER scholar. I'm gonna write I yeah, I'm definitely and I love talking about when shows jump the shark, so um, but I will, I'm going to get back on that Babylon Berlin train full of, So uh, I think I'm going toxins. to watch that this week. I think that's what I'm going to be Yeah, watching. you should get into it. I really want to Because I want to talk it. about it with you. Um, yeah. And so if it's as good as you say, because it also sounds like it's kind of up my alley, I might, yeah. I don't know, it's supposed to be really nice weather this weekend, so we will <laughs> see how much TV watching I actually get in. But maybe I'll get sick. I don't yeah. know. Anything could happen. I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> tell you that much. I think we have the same not watching. Uh, yeah, uh, Paterno with Al Pacino. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, you couldn't pay me to watch a documentary. A documentary, it's not a documentary. Uh, a, <laughs> an HBO special um, starring Al Pacino as Joe Paterno. Gag me with a spoon. I'm also just so deeply uninterested that I haven't even given it the benefit of the doubt to like read things about it to see how critical oh, no. they are. You know what I mean? Like I just no. don't. I just... I just can't even. It's. I feel the same way about it as I do about Silicon Valley. I've had so many people, though I think this is much worse, but I, I've had so many people just tell me to watch Silicon Valley, say it's really funny and everything, and I'm just, no, I'm immediately turned off by a show about Silicon Valley, you know, this, the epicenter of douchebaggery in America. It's a show starring four dudes. Oh, yeah. All these and nerdy would, like, guys say... that somehow get an acting job when nerdy women... I'm just like, no, I will not watch that show. I don't care if you tell me it's good. I will not even give it the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> no, also, I say don't believe anyone who tells you to watch that show. I appreciate I that. Thank you. given up on it. 
Um, but you know what's interesting about Al Pacino is that he's like done all of these HBO biopics over the last few years. So he played Phil Spector. In oh God, that's right. Phil Spector, and then he also played Jack Kevorkian. What is his deal? I know, and you don't know Jack. Al Pacino can just play like any. Awful He's like, give me white all man. your problematic <laughs> bad guys. Because he also played Roy Cohn in <laughs> Angels in America. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, he just like literally give Al Pacino. And you know the thing is, like, Dr. Gavorkin is the best of all those people. I know, right? Actually, I see on his IMDb page that he's about to play Jimmy Hoffa, so I guess that's a good lion. He seems too old to play Jimmy Hoffa. Right? And also, Um, how is that going to... Okay, well. (laughs) Weird. But, yeah, just if you have a horrible white man of the 20th century... Al Pacino's here for you. Al Pacino's your man. Yeah, absolutely. Did you hear that thing about... Leonardo DiCaprio's new girlfriend. She's twenty years old and blonde, and her stepdad is. Al oh, Pacino. her stepdad is Al Pacino, and she like went to him to like talk to him about how to act. I know, I'm like, like, so that she could be in some like horrible horror movie. Right, like what weird nepotism that is. I know right? Al Pacino's like, probably like, God bless me. you. Like I don't know what that says about Hollywood. That it's basically like, can you teach me how to have talent? And, like, know, like and she gets a role. Cause also, what do you want to bet she, like, mm, she's going to pop up in, like, the Jimmy Hoffa movie or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Get oh. her in there. Um, well, okay, anyway. well, I guess that's it for us this week. I think that's it. I think that's it. I think people have a lot to think about. Yeah, we've given you a lot to chew on. Do your yeah. homework. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Well, till next week, Amanda. All right. Good night. Happy viewing. <laughs>